Good morning, Redeemer. Last week, uh, as we walked through the book of Luke, and we just started in Luke 1, which is the, the longest chapter in the Bible, I think, uh, maybe, and, and so we'll be, uh, we'll be in Luke 1 for quite a while. Uh, but last week, the story ended with Gabriel's announcement to Mary that she would, uh, she would bear a son, and, and her beautiful response to him, uh, see, I'm the Lord's servant, she said, may it happen to me as you've said. Um, so despite the obvious human difficulties with this plan, uh, Mary believed and she received the promise of God that she would bear the Son of God. Today, we're gonna look at three things as, as the story continues. A uh, pregnant reunion, a leaping child, uh, and then a filling and blessing. A pregnant reunion, a leaping child, and a filling and a blessing. Let's pray once more and then dive into the, the text this morning. Father, uh, we thank you for bringing us here. I thank you for each person uh, each precious soul uh, that, that you have, have brought together this morning. I thank you that we get to, uh, to look at your word together. Um, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to each of us as we need, uh, that you would come, that you would, you would uh, do your work. Lord, whether we have known you for decades, uh, whether we, we don't know you, and this, this is the day of salvation, I pray that you would come and you would speak to each of our hearts by your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. First, a pregnant reunion, a pregnant reunion. Um, Gabriel told Mary that her relative, Elizabeth, we aren't exactly sure how they're related, uh, but they're, they're related, is with child. And, and so Mary hurries to see her, as you might imagine would happen. Uh, this would have been a surprise to Mary, right? Uh, both, of course, it would be a surprise that Elizabeth could get pregnant. Uh, and then also it would be a surprise because we know that Elizabeth, we know from earlier in the chapter, Elizabeth has kept herself in seclusion. She's kept, herself, kept it a secret. And so Mary likely hadn't heard uh, yet. And so Elizabeth also, of course, is in for a big surprise as well. Uh, that, that her young, chaste relative is with child. But I think that she is prepared for, for Mary's news by her own news in a, in a special way. So we've got this uh, post-menopausal woman and a virgin, both with child, both pregnant. Right? The Lord works in mysterious ways. This was a, a pregnant reunion in more ways than one, right? pregnant with meaning. Um, just, and just imagine how, how, much, how wonderful this must have been for both of them to have these, these three months together. It says they stayed together for three months. Elizabeth was likely at this point moving out of morning sickness while Mary was moving into it, uh, both with messages from the same angel, uh, both miraculously pregnant. Uh, Elizabeth, I hadn't thought about this, but uh, you know, Zachariah couldn't talk. Like Elizabeth had someone to talk to. That's pretty cool, right? Uh, she, could, like, she had someone to talk to and, and be able to understand and comfort and commiserate with and encourage and rejoice with each other. And to be fully known and accepted in friendship. Uh, when, when, when everyone on the outside, everyone else, right? Everyone else uh, would, have, would have looked on them with a very warranted skepticism. <laughs> Right? Very warranted skepticism. But, but they know, they understand each other. And God is, God is so kind. And doesn't he give us this? He gives us friends. Right? He gives us people who understand us. Friends who love at all times. Brothers and sisters who are born for adversity, as the proverb says. 
I love also, just as a side note, but I love how Mary just drops in. Like, can I just drop in and stay for three months? Sure, right? Like, let's be family like that, right? Let's be a church family like that, where we just drop in and stay, right? Let's just, let's, come on. Um, Let's do that. Second, we see a leaping child, a leaping child. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her. Mary comes in the door, greets Elizabeth. Uh, When Elizabeth hears her voice, it says the baby in her womb leaps. I've felt uh, my children in the womb do some crazy movements. Uh, Not in my womb, in my wife's womb, obviously. Uh, (laughs) uh, There have been, you know, there's been times where, where, you know, there's been turns and twists that would change the whole shape of my wife's belly, you know. Um, It's amazing. I don't know that I've ever seen a leap. I can see uh, that might be uncomfortable. Uh, But this baby moves, right? This baby moves. And this has become, I think, a controversial thing to say, uh, but, but the Bible calls this six-month-old in the womb a baby. This is a baby. It's a person. It's a person with a name and a destiny. Uh, in fact, a person who can leap for joy by the Holy Spirit. And then we see a little later on, Elizabeth calls Jesus, who's maybe a few weeks old in, in, in Mary's womb, a child, my Lord, even. So John is in Elizabeth's womb, Jesus is in Mary's womb, and they are both babies with distinct identities. I think you have to say this in this day and age. John isn't a baby because Elizabeth chose to call him one. Right? Jesus isn't a baby because Mary chose to call him one. They are babies because they are people God created. Now, I want to say this in a, in a sensitive but, but a, a clear way. Um, this is why we cannot support abortion, right? because the Bible calls children in the womb babies. Having an abortion is killing a child. I, I know that in a room this size, uh, some of you have had abortions, and, and this is tough to hear. And that must have been such an impossibly difficult and painful uh, situation. And and I I just can't say quickly enough uh, that God is merciful and he's gracious. He he forgives even this. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is the grace and mercy of God that we all rely on. He's the healer of hearts. But, but I need to point this out because there may be someone in here who is considering an abortion. And if that's you, perhaps you can hear God's voice speaking to you. Right? Through, through all the fear and uncertainty of what the future might hold for you or for that, your child. And you can see the life inside you for who it is. A baby, a person, a son or daughter with a name and a destiny created in the image of God. And if that's you, I, I would love to speak with you after the service. You may be more comfortable talking with a woman, totally understandable. Um, please come and find one of us. Come find Carolyn, Carolyn Pet or Carolyn Yoey out at the, the kids' check-in desk. Uh, Missy Melcher's right here. Andrea Eads, who's singing. Like, come find some, somebody and talk to us. It would be our privilege to, to support you and to walk with you through the challenges you're facing. You don't have to do it alone. Right, Mary, this, this young, unwed, pregnant mom, 
She didn't have to do it alone. God gave her Elizabeth. Maybe God brought you here to give you someone to walk with you through this. Next, the filling and blessing. Filling and blessing. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, it says, the baby leaped inside her and Elizabeth was what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What do we see as a result of God himself indwelling her in this moment? I think we see at least three things. An attitude, a vision, and an action. First, an attitude. The attitude that we see is one of grateful humility. Grateful humility. In, in this culture, uh, greetings would have, would have been a lot more significant than they are in our culture. It wasn't just like, hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, right? it would, generally, Mary would have spoken first and would have blessed Elizabeth as her elder and her superior. But Elizabeth here breaks convention under God's influence and says to Mary, blessed are you among women. Elizabeth recognizes the one in Mary's womb is the Lord. <laughs> He's the greater than the one even in her womb. And so, and so she speaks and she blesses one who's younger than, than she. She says, how could this happen that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's so grateful. Right? She's filled by the Spirit. She shows, she shows glad, grateful humility and deference to this young teenage mom and the baby that she carried. And this is a sign of being filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, your own status, what people think of you, your accomplishments, what you deserve, that doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. Elizabeth could have been jealous Right? I mean, Mary is stealing my thunder. Right? I thought my baby was a miracle. She's carrying the Lord and she's a virgin. <laughs> right? Isn't that the worst kind of jealousy whenever something good happens to you, but just something which way better happens to someone else? You're like, Ugh. right? That, like, she could have been, but she wasn't. She wasn't. She's able to truly rejoice with her young relative who, who probably really needed that response. If you think that the Holy Spirit's filling will lead to you being recognized for you doing great things, you've got it wrong. You've got it backwards. The Spirit will lead you to grateful humility. And isn't this, isn't this the experience you've had? When, when you are nearest to God, when you've been nearest to God, when you have felt his presence, you've known his love most intimately, doesn't that lead you to just say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you? If you aren't filled with grateful humility, you know what you need? You need to be filled with the Spirit. Second, this leads to, to vision, to vision, to seeing God's work. Seeing God's work. We see that the Spirit filling Elizabeth leads her to seeing how God is working around her. Mary hasn't told her she's pregnant. The Holy Spirit reveals that to Elizabeth in the moment when John leaps in her womb. She's able to interpret by the Spirit that John has left for joy 
in the presence of the one he was sent to prepare the way for, Jesus the Lord. She's able to know that, that Mary believed the angel's message and, and his promise to her. And all this she would have missed. Right? She would have missed all of it without the filling of the Spirit. God is working all around us, in us, through us, in others, through others. If only we have the eyes to see it. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he gives us eyes to see where he's working, what he's doing. The kingdom of God is, is like what? It's like a mustard seed. It's like le leaven. It's like yeast in baking bread. It's like farming. It's slow. It's small. It's gradual. It's often hidden from the natural eye. But we will reap the harvest if we don't give up. And the Holy Spirit will help us to see that in the Lord, our labor is never in vain. He is leading the way. He is clearing the path. He's always leading us in the victory parade in Christ. If you aren't seeing the Lord's work all around you, if you're not seeing the Lord's work in you, Christian, you know what you need? You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Third, we see an action. The Spirit leads to an action. This is my favorite. Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. Elizabeth, in grateful humility and seeing God's work in her midst, by the Spirit, she blesses Mary. She speaks blessing over her, over what God has done for her, over her faith, over how she trusted the Lord. The Holy Spirit literally inspires her in this moment to, to speak this blessing over Mary. And, and then he caused it to be recorded in scripture forever, that we would always have it. These are important words, weighty words. And, and our words are, have so much power. Our words, too, are weighty. I heard uh, Pastor uh, John Tyson say this on a podcast last week. Um, he, he wrote a book on fatherhood, and it was in this context. Uh, but he said fathers are supposed to be strong figures in their sons' and daughters' lives, um, that they're to provide the safety and the affirmation and an environment uh, where, where their, their child can receive from them a blessing before they go out into the world. He said this is why uh, it's, what's, what's missing for so many people in our time. Right, people who have, have father wounds, right? You might have heard, heard it that way. They're people walking around searching everywhere for the blessing that their father should have given them. They just want to be blessed. And this is one reason, I think, why we all respond so well to just a little encouragement. We're, we're, we're starved for it. Just try it. Just try encouraging someone just slightly, a little, a little bit. It's amazing what'll happen. But, but we, we are starved for it. There's a, there's a desert of encouragement. And, and this should just not be in the church. Right? It shouldn't be. Like on Twitter, yeah, the world is tearing everyone down, right? What should it be in the church? Not that. It should be the opposite. We should be building each other up. Bless people's faith. Notice each other. Notice what, where God's working. Call it out. Call out how people are trusting the Lord, how they're being faithful in trial, how they're being obedient, how they're loving and serving and sacrificing for others. 
We should bless each other. Pastor Chris, I think, is so good at this. I never leave a conversation with Pastor Chris that he hasn't encouraged me and blessed me. We should be more like him. We should bless each other. Do you? Do you bless your spouse? You bless your kids. You bless your family. You bless your church family, your friends, coworkers. Are you regularly speaking blessing over others? If not, then you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't gotten to this yet, we all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, (laughs) right? We all do. He is God's greatest gift, the gift of himself. Now, let's talk about this because I think there can be some theological confusion around uh, this issue. If, If you're a Christian... Right, and by that, I don't just mean you come to church or you know about God, but if you, have you gone to Jesus himself as a person? Have you trusted him, that his life was for you, that his death was in your place for your sins, that he rose from the dead for you in victory and he's alive today? But if you believe that, if you trust him, you're a Christian and you, you have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this, you have the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit who is a down payment Right, a down payment of the inheritance of salvation. Every Christian is filled with the Spirit. But just after that in Ephesians 1, like really, it's like two verses later, uh, Paul says to the people, he's just said, you are, you are sealed with the Spirit. He prays that God would give them the Spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, that their eyes, the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened. They would know the power, the great power at work within them. Later on in Ephesians 5, uh, he says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit to the same people, the same church. So what's going on here? Are we filled or aren't we? (laughs) I heard an illustration from a pastor in Tennessee named Robbie Gallaty. Uh, He he used this illustration, and this really kind of made it more clear in my mind. Um, He said that he used to think about being filled with the Spirit like filling a glass with water. So Christians like the glass. When you become a Christian, you're filled up with the Spirit, right? And you, you have, have the Spirit. And that makes sense of Ephesians 1, where it says we've received the Spirit. But it doesn't really make sense of the further prayers and commands to be filled, because, you know, would that mean that our cup was like a quarter of the way filled at the first, and then, you know, you keep filling a little bit more at a time, and once you get to a certain point, you speak in tongues, and, you know, like, how does it, like, there's all these, you know, how does it work? Um, well, I don't think that's, that's the best image. A better image he said, is, is that of a balloon, of a balloon. Christians are like a balloon. When we're saved, we are filled with the Spirit. When you blow into a balloon, what happens? Fills with air, right? Even a small balloon is completely fill, full, completely full of air. But, of course, a small balloon can be filled more, right? It can, it can grow. You can keep blowing into it. And so Christians are sort of like balloons. If you're a Christian, you are filled with the Spirit, You have the Spirit of God living in you, God himself. But you can be filled more or less. We have a certain capacity to be filled more or less. If we want to take it further, I'd venture to say that we're like leaky balloons, (laughs) right? And we need need a constant filling. I think of the uh, Need to Breathe song I really like. There's a line that says, I'm a man in need of constant revival. I feel that one. I am a man in need of constant revival. I need constant filling by the Spirit. So we we are filled and we need to be filled, both. So what can we do? What can we do to be filled with the Spirit? Well, 
one thing uh, is here in Luke eleven nine. 9. We'll get to this in about 10 years when we get to Luke 11. I'm just kidding. It won't be that long. Uh, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, Jesus is hilarious, by the way. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, hey, dad, can I have an egg? We'll give him a scorpion. Here's a scorpion, buddy. <laughs> right? You can laugh. Like, Jesus was funny. I think sometimes we think he didn't make any jokes. Is that not a joke? Okay. <laughs> he is. Uh, verse 13. If you then, who are evil, he gets joke and then gets real, right? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Is there a more clear promise in the scriptures than that? I don't know. We ask. We, we can ask. But in my, experience, in my experience, we don't ask very much. What, what stands in the way of our asking God for this, his greatest gift, for himself, his spirit filling us? I think there's a clue in, in the verse that I quoted earlier from Ephesians 5. Um, it says this, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. There, there's one more result here of being filled by the Spirit, and it's singing. See that? singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. And this is not just singing with your mouth, right? It's singing with your heart, which is good news for some of you, you know, who don't have the pitch. Like, man, you don't have to sing with your mouth. You can sing with your heart. That's the important part. Some people actually break Elizabeth's blessing here out into poetry, just like Mary's and Zachariah's songs are later in the chapter. Um, some, some people also put this, especially the first two lines, as poetry, when, when she, she speaks out. The, the Spirit brings the song. The Spirit brings the song. Uh, when, when the Taliban came back into power this year in Afghanistan, uh, one, of, one thing observers pointed out that, uh, that changed overnight was that music went away. You know, music in the street, people playing music, uh, people singing, it just ended, Right? Why was that? Well, uh, when, when fear and terror reigns, music stops. And, and some, some of us, and some of you, um, and I think this applies if, if you're not a Christian, but, but I'm talking mainly to Christians here. Um, some of you don't sing and make music to the Lord with your heart because the Taliban reigns in your heart. Your heart is so seized up with fear that, that you can stand here, even stand in a room of people, right, pouring out their hearts to God. And you can go through the motions and, you know, nothing looks bad on the outside, right? But, but your heart isn't, isn't in it. Your heart's not there. You're cold inside, if you're honest. Why is this? John says fear has to do with judgment, or you're living in lies that somehow you aren't who God says you are. If you're a Christian, you are, you are truly forgiven. 
You are truly loved. You are truly accepted. You are free in every way. But, but your, your balloon is small and limp. One way to know whether you're filled with the Spirit of God is whether your heart is singing. Perfect love, John says, casts out fear. If your heart isn't singing, do you know what you need? You should know by this point in the sermon. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That like, do you, like, think back. Do you remember when you were saved? Think back to that moment. Wasn't the song there? What happened to it? What happened to it? The other night um, at the, the prayer gathering uh, that we had on, on Wednesday, uh, my, my three-year-old daughter was, was here with us, and she was over here dancing on the side for, during the worship. And, and I thought about stopping her, um, but then I thought, what am I going to say? Like, hey, no dancing before the Lord, right? Uh, no, that's not biblical. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> right? No, I, did, I didn't stop her, uh, honestly, because I want to be like her. Like, isn't, isn't the childlike humility and joy and, and just selflessness of being able to dance before the Lord, isn't that something beautiful? It isn't the problem for many of us that we've grown up. There, there's a perception of self, self-sufficiency. There's a perception of control. I have it together. So, so I, 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 I wouldn't consciously say this, but, but deep down, we really don't think that we need God. I wonder if a major barrier to us asking for the Spirit is that we're so afraid of losing control of our neat and tidy lives that we won't even ask. What did Jesus say? Unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There's an adultishness that can keep you out. The question isn't whether we have the Spirit, Christians. We do. The question isn't whether God wants to fill us more and more with his Spirit. He does. The question isn't even whether or not he would give it to us. He would give him to us if we ask. He says he will. The question is, will we ask? Are we desperate enough, needy enough, humble and dependent enough? Are we willing to release control enough? Do we have the childlike trust to simply and really ask and see what might happen? Lord, set us free. Set us free. Elizabeth blesses Mary for believing what the Lord had spoken, that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. What, What had he spoken? What had he said? You will conceive 
and, and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, will be called son of the most high and the Lord will, God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary believed this promise and, and some of it did come true. Mary had a son and named him Jesus, which means the Lord saves. He was great, and he was called the son of the most high. But did he receive the throne of David, reigning over the house of Jacob forever with a kingdom that will never end? Not yet in in his fullness. He came as a king, but his kingdom was a surprising one. Established not through conquering his enemies and destroying them, but by sacrificing himself for his enemies so that they could be saved. He gave himself up for us. He died, he rose, he ascended to heaven. He will come again to judge both the living and the dead. And then the last part of the promise that Mary believed will be fulfilled for all of us to see. Do you believe this like Mary does? Blessed is the one and blessed are you who believe what God has spoken. Let's pray. Father, we are, we are needy people. Lord, we think that we have it together and we deceive ourselves so often. Lord, we think that we're smart. We think that we can figure it out. But we can't and we don't. We believe, help our unbelief. Lord, where where we are cold in our hearts, where we are, are seized up with fear, where we are hardened against you, where we've been running and we might not even know it, would you, would you reach in? Would you break down those barriers? Lord, we don't even know what's going on inside us most of the time, Lord, but you do. And so would you, would you help? Would you speak? Would you give us the faith to ask? Father, according to to Luke 11, we ask that you would, would give us your Holy Spirit, that he would come and would dwell in us in more and more and more and more, fuller measure than ever before. We thank you for all you've done and all you're doing. If you did nothing else, you would be only gracious. Lord, but we ask, according to your promise, that you would give us more. We want you, whatever that means for us, whatever that means for our church, whatever that means for our families, whatever that means for our lives. We are open to you. Would you fill us? Would you come? Lord, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, would you speak to their hearts now? In Jesus' name I pray.